This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this, I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Yeah, I mean, Cody, I, I agree entirely. It, it's like the 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 world we live in, we've come to realize, is careening towards disaster. And we have very little say in actually arresting that disaster. And the elites that have, have brought us here have entrenched their power so deeply that people can't even conceive of a world without a boot on their neck. And so we all just kind of grasp for the artifacts of our childhood for those last moments before we realized how deep the problems were. And that's got us all stuck in this kind of endless cycle of worshiping the the dead remnants of our of our youth. Anyway, how are you doing today? Oh, aside from that, all that stuff. Yeah. I couldn't be well, I could be better, but you know, I'm doing all right. <laughs> Have you enjoyed Andor? Uh, I've enjoyed the few that I've been able to sit down and watch. It's uh, good. It's good. Um, mm-hmm. I A plus. Well, mm-hmm. so far, A A yeah. so far, A plus. I hear. I, I, I think I've watched through all of it, and it's quite good. Yeah. Um, um, everything about it is uh, correct in terms of what should be done with yes, the franchise. Yes. It's this. It's this thing I've been saying, where like the reason the first Star Wars movies were great is that George Lucas. Everyone around him, including his his ex-wife, who was the editor on those three movies and won Oscars and stuff, great film editor, were like, George has consistently 20% of a great idea. And if you can cut the other 80% out of it and replace it with like something vaguely reasonable uh, and not not unhinged, then uh, you, you get pretty darn good movies. And then for the prequels... He just got let off the leash, and and there was a lot of nonsense. And Andor seems to have taken that like core of stuff that was cool about the prequels. And anyway, this yeah. is behind the well, bastards. Also, <laughs> just like a, a cohesive um, mm-hmm. uh, vision, yeah. Uh, which I think uh, obviously the sequels didn't have. Uh, no, one, one no, of, one they of, were like the not the good only, in my like, opinion. Yeah, yeah, no. One of the only um, uh, I think positives of the prequels is that like at least the vision was cohesive. Like yes, it, they all like look the same. They're trying. They to do the felt same kind like of thing. a felt, thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's uh, I think a positive for Andor, but also just like it's um it's just written well. It's written uh, extremely well. Writers are doing a good job writing like scenes and lines and there's it's, scenes in it, at least in the first few that I've watched where I've been like, that didn't have to be in the Star Wars universe. Like that was just a no, scene. That was a no. good scene between two people who happened to like have like, you know, laser guns on their hips. You <laughs> yeah. know, um, they've done a really, really appreciate. good job of like, there's a lot of evil in the show, but a majority of the actors are self-interested but not actively malicious even mm-hmm. when they're contributing to terribly malicious systems which is a, a shows a nuanced understanding of how evil actually occurs most often mm-hmm. in the real world that i appreciate yeah um yeah there's a lot of uh just consideration and thought that seems to have gone yes. into it yeah that, uh not not a whole lot of the boba fets of the world i think uh have uh Bo- boba's feet have done 
Yeah, the mm-hmm. Boba, the Boba, the Boba Feats uh, didn't quite <laughs> nail it. I, well, I haven't seen a second of that show. So I, I, I actually think uh, they're all they're all perfectly fun. Um, as long as it's got fucking Pedro Pascal, and I'll keep watching. Oh yeah, for sure. By we, the we way, love, we love Pedro. What's up? Th- this is behind the bastards, a <laughs> oh. podcast about bad people. We are taking another easy week by going through episode two, season one. You say of easy. Mm-hmm. Dragons, <laughs> Monsters, and Men, the Jordan Peterson series in which he sits in a comfortable chair and just kind of talks. Um, like, I don't... Look, when people say <laughs> he seems like he's off his meds, that that often can be an offensive statement. But he does seem like he's off his meds. Um, or like on the wrong meds. Or on the wrong you know? meds. Or or hasn't been medicated for the right thing. Um mm. Either way, whatever is going on with Jordan Peterson's drug use, it's not right. (laughs) Yeah. Fix your drug use, Jordan. So, episode two, after our Game of Thrones-esque opening. God, uh, I forgot about that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, Sophie, why don't you play us a clip of that bad boy? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Let's go. Let's let's just remind everybody. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, I like I blocked this out. I know. This is what they spent almost as much money on as fucking Jordan Peterson himself. Gonna stop to you in jail. It's like a fucking video game loading. And like, then it's I so good. After this, I should be clicking continue and then like hitting a Wendigo with an axe. But yeah, episode two opens with the title card, Arm Yourself, on a red background. And then we're back to Jordan with his like hands together, looking at his fingers just kind of like awkwardly in a chair. It's such a funny transition. It's, it's so it's nonchalant. It's really funny. It's like just mm-hmm. sudden. It's like, it, I can't even say they didn't do it on purpose, knowing no. how funny it was, but also they didn't. Because there have to be a few people at the Daily Wire who like know it's bullshit and know how stupid and silly all this is, but are just like, I got to get, you know, it's paycheck. Why like, is I, so And much, I just, I don't care. I, but they maybe so tweak it a little, make it funny. pieces of furniture behind him? There is a chair behind him. And looks a like couch I mean, and stools. Again, this I would Lost love to have a library ch- like this. I think this. that that uh, it's very nice looking. But there's more chairs back here. I think I count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. A it, couch. It looks, it, on a, it looks like an ideal salon, like intellectual workplace, where it's like kind of there's a little bit almost of like an industrial vibe. You can see like yeah. bricks in the background, like maybe it was like a storage or like a hangar or a big garage. But they've they've put in a bunch of nice bookshelves and nice furnitures and wood paneling. There's like maybe a little bar table in the back left yeah. corner where Jordan Peterson can have a single sip of cider and then not sleep for <laughs> thirty right. days. Not too bad. Yeah, yeah. Bad time. but there's like um, legitimately like at least ten. And chairs visible in this. Well, yeah, this Jordan Peterson frame. has a lot of people over to discuss his ideas, like oh, that your is evil that uncle is? is never to be argued with, even when he's the Catholic Church and molesting children. Anyway, maybe whatever. It's a oh, maybe I it's like uh, in honor of like you know the fallen philosophers of, of yeah old yeah like, that you know, Spinoza's and chair and, behind him, Immanuel Kant over there in the corner with that like one wiry, uncomfortable looking one, fucking uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, sort of uh, a, an empty chairs at empty tables. Yeah, sort of Heidegger probably in that like back corner next to all the cleaning bottles. It looks like. Uh, anyway, so once the episode opens, Peterson immediately starts talking about how men are becoming wusses. Men becoming more passive. Yes, it, it appears that in some sense they are. <laughs> they're becoming more passive in that they're bailing out of society. The boys don't do as well in school, pretty much from day one. They're less likely to enroll in university. They're more likely to drop out. They're less likely to graduate. Um, They're withdrawing. And there is evidence that I think is quite compelling. Perhaps this is most advanced in Japan and and South Korea, which have very low birth rates, that men, young men, are even bailing out of the sexual game, even, even if it's solitary. There's there's some indi- indication that young men aren't even masturbating as much as they used to. <laughs> uh, Wait a second. 
Wait a second. <laughs> I thought yes. that it was like in this crowd, it was good to not masturbate. I thought like yeah, it- I, I it's he's inconsistent about that. Um, I think he's he's he'll bring yeah. I I, I don't actually know if. Because Jordan Peterson, I don't think is like hard into the nofap stuff, but he's also pretty hard into the incel stuff, which is related to nofap. And like um, he's very, you know, anti like. Uh, I mean, he's you don't have to look at pornography to masturbate, but I know he's no. very anti pornography. So like he's just like uh, men need they, men need to jerk it more. Like what's going on here? I have to point out. So the th- he he brings up a bunch of claims here, um, like that men are are going graduating high school and college less, right? Um, now, as as this is a, he is less wrong than he normally is in this statement, mm-hmm. but also as with everything he says, he's still wrong. There's an mm-hmm. Atlantic article that I found in literally like six seconds. Um, it notes, quote. Um, Education experts and historians aren't remotely surprised. Women in the United States have earned more bachelor's degrees than men every year since the mid-1980s. Every year, in other words, that I've been alive and that both of us have been alive. This particular gender gap hasn't been breaking news for about 40 years, but the imbalance reveals a genuine shift in how men participate in education, the economy, and society. So number one, this has been going on for decades. Um, This is not a recent thing. This is about half a century, but also... Currently, right now, men are going, enrolling in college and finishing college more than they were a decade ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in 1970, men accounted for 57% of college and gra- uh, college and university students. Um, so it's like, you know, it, it's, it's complicated. Yeah, people, there, there's like a number of theories as to why, but this has been going on for a long time. A lot of it has to do with the fact that many of the jobs that men seek don't require a college degree, like trade jobs. Mm. Another has to do with the fact that women are increasingly seeking education because like it's gotten a lot easier for them to do so in the last half a century. Um, some of it has to do with the fact that men are much more likely to be incarcerated than women. Um like it's uh there's a bunch of theoretical reasons for it um but it's also not an entirely like linear process like it's not just that men have been dipping and in fact over the last decade there's been some rises in men at least attending college so again jordan peterson takes like his take is taking like what is an actual half century long tradition boiling out all of the actual facts around it and claiming it's something that's very recently happening um mm. when it that's not actually the way things are going also um peterson specifically has uh, a whole lot of problems with just like academia and universities in general and most mm-hmm. people at the daily wire like most prominent figures at the daily wire uh tell you to not go to college Yes. Um, like that is a, a big movement in that entire crowd now. It's like, don't go to college. And if you do pretend like you're learning something and lie, mm-hmm. so you get the degree. But like they support not going. So what's going on there? Yeah. <laughs> with this? Um. Yeah. It's and it's like it, it, I, I, I'm not ever going to tell people to go to college because I also think it's a gigantic grift. Oh, sure. It's just anyway. <laughs> Oh, sure. Jordan is, let's say, let's say he is partially right in that there is a long term trend of men declining in higher education, um, but also largely wrong because he ignores all of the different reasons and and the the length of time at which that's been occurring. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. To make it look like it's it's the it's being caused by our new woke world. It's a soy sort of deal. Well, number one, men have a lot of jobs that don't require college degrees. Men are imprisoned at a lot higher rate. Uh, Women have suddenly gotten a lot more freedom and have been going to college in an attempt to like shore up and get equal weight or to get anything that even approaches an equal wage. They have to get more of an education than men do. Like there's a whole bunch of reasons for it. Um, And also the fact, and I feel like this is left out of that Atlantic article that increasingly people are realizing that a lot of higher education is a gigantic con. Um, Mm. Anyway, uh, which they agree with. So like what's, yeah. Let's move on from the college stuff, um, mm-hmm. because we can also talk about masturbation. So unlike Excellent. birth rates, masturbation, like knowing how often people masturbate, is dependent upon self-reporting, right? Mm-hmm. Birth rates are objective. You can know 
are the amount of babies, you know, are that people are having is raising or lowering, right? That's something that it's very easy to yeah. get data on because as a general rule, the government is informed when a baby Yeah, e- definitely easier to determine yeah. than uh, when people are doing yeah. a solo activity in the privacy yeah. of their own in, in order to know the rate at which people are masturbating, you would have to build like a perfect digital panopticon to keep track of everyone's cum. A panopticum, right. if you will. Oh, perfect. Um, which I, I do support creating, but that's a separate episode that yeah, you and I, you and I will do that in the future. Um, so, yeah, uh, I found one survey of 1,040 Americans on masturbation habits published by Dr. Evan Goldstein of Bespoke Surgical. The language he uses certainly doesn't make it seem as if his evidence suggests that masturbation is less common today. Here's how his little article opens. According to Thomas Lacker's 2003 book, Solitary Sex, A Cultural History of Masturbation, masturbation as we know it was invented in 1713. By that, he meant that while masturbation was may have always existed, may probably doesn't belong yeah, in there. Yeah, a lot of work yeah. being done by that word may. It was only in the early 18th century that the phenomenon was named a new disease, creating a, quote, nearly universal engine for generating guilt, shame, and anxiety. And I do think that is a worthwhile point that, like, people have always masturbated, but the the modern concept of masturbation was developed as a clinical term to shame people for Mm -hmm. masturbating, right? Now, Bespoke Surgical is some sort of like medical clinic run for profit and I question their data as I always do when a for-profit clinic releases a survey. Um, That said, what they're claiming their survey shows doesn't seem particularly weird. Quote, we wanted to know how often Americans masturbate. Overall, the answer is about 12 times a month on average. This number is consistent when considering just heterosexual people, but was slightly higher for homosexual respondents who reported masturbating 14.2 times per month. And I might suggest that, like, rather than there actually being a gap between straight people and queer people in masturbation, queer people are just, like, more honest about their... Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I also suspect everybody might be underestimating the amount of... Although that's, like, 14 times isn't, like weird that's that's a that's a reasonable i would say that seems like a pretty reasonable average um obviously uh, people are going to have more people are going to have less but yeah that's 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 that doesn't that that data does not like set off alarm bells in my head yeah i'm not shocked by what like whether that number is too high or too low so that obviously does not give us any longitudinal data like it doesn't like peterson is saying that men are masturbating less right as sort of evidence that like men are in decline um and obviously that data does not show whether or not that's happening at all uh, i did find a study by tenga company which is a sexual health and wellness business that makes sex toys uh so again not again you're never going to find a good study on this that's like done yeah, by a perfect yeah, yeah scientific again, until source. our uh startup gets off the ground until until the panopticum is created yeah, yes exactly. uh they did what their press release calls the quote world's largest masturbation study involving thirteen thousand participants it did not actually say anything at all interesting about about masturbation, but it did Mm. note this. The survey, which asked Americans to evaluate which characteristics they believe men in their country value, found approximately 90% of Americans think men value traditionally manly traits, like physical strength, aggression, and assertiveness, and being the main breadwinner. However, when asking men what they actually value, the results found that men are more comfortable talking about their feelings and connecting with others, and less comfortable being aggressive than Americans realize. 88% of men claim to be in touch with their emotions, but only 50 54% of Americans think this is important to men in their country. 77% are comfortable talking about their feelings or personal challenges with others, but only 51% of Americans surveyed think this is true of American men. I find that really interesting, actually. I also find that interesting. Yeah, that like when uh, people are asked, hey, how do men feel about talking about their feelings? They're like, they hate it. And when you ask men, they're like, actually, that's very important to me and I do it all the time. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's like, you know, what? not exactly in that framing, but like what people say quite often is how important it is for men to be able to do that and not feel (laughs) like... The other those respondents who are like, oh, yeah, they don't like that. And like, yeah, which feeds into the idea that they shouldn't like that. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I in general, I found this survey interesting, not so much about masturbation, although there's one really interesting part, which is that it found that 
Americans underestimate how often people masturbate consistently by nine to ten percent. Um, which Wait, might, underestimate? Yeah, underestimate. Okay. People people estimate that groups like that that their peers masturbate about nine to ten percent less than those that group self reports masturbating. Interesting. Right. Which okay. I uh, might account for Dr. Peterson's belief in this area. Um, so let's listen on. Next, he goes into a rant about how evil progressives are trying to make boys believe they're bad people for being masculine. I, d- the purest manifestation of the destructive human force that's demolishing our beloved Earth. And, you know, if you tell <laughs> Tone it boys down. that from the time Man. they're young, especially if they're actually ethical people, then, well, why wouldn't they be demoralized? Obviously, the right response to that, if it's true, is to be demoralized. But it's a pack of lies right from the bottom up. To the, to the highest levels of abstraction. Talk to a man named Miriam. And again, number one, this is just like a very basic misstating of what people who talk about the patriarchy are claiming. When people say like the patriarchy is destroying the world, what they're saying is that this like deeply hierarchical system that praises the accumulation of wealth and power largely by men in a male-dominated society uh, is killing the world is leading to like unhinged resource extraction um, and like the thoughtless exploitation of an environment that cannot handle endless growth. Um, and that both kind of the excesses of capitalism and the excesses of a, a, a society in which like men are encouraged to be violent and like aggressive and seek the domination of their opponents are that like that, that, that is a problem rather than that men are a problem. The issue is not men. The issue is a system that has grown up around incentivizing men to act like sociopaths, right? Like that's the issue. Yeah, Um, yeah. Um, uh, He's done this before too, and this is one actually one of the topics that made him cry semi mm -hmm. recently. Um, And it's uh, it's interesting, partially because uh, a lot of stuff Peterson says can often could could be characterized as being like demoralizing mm-hmm. to groups of people. Um, oh yeah, like who cares what that. you believe? You don't believe anything. You're 16. Exa- yeah. Um, Actually, Jordan, many of, most of the things that have happened in the world that have like changed the destiny of nations have been because a lot of teenagers believed things very strongly. Yeah, <laughs> God. Um, but also like it's uh, because the the framing he's trying to do is like yeah there's this and all everything's gonna be uh, destroyed so of course you're demoralized but the part he's leaving out is that most people who uh, criticize aspects of society or uh, how the earth is going um, acknowledge that we can do something about it and uh, should and it would be good if we did something about it but his whole uh, ideology is based off of not doing anything about society so to him it is demoralizing uh more so because he's like well then there's nothing to do about it so what would you what would you turn to despair well no you don't have to turn to despair you could turn to like changing the way things are done um i don't think we're gonna do that cody but what Mm. i think we are gonna do Ooh. is have us a little ad break oh yeah see if see if the evil uncle that is our sponsors will slay the dragon of us yeah. not owning enough things. Anyway. It's the mark of the old crone, you see. <laughs> Speaking of old crones, that mm. would be a good name for like a bourbon. That w- I was going to say, perfect. Yeah, Cody, you come over into my salon where I have a dozen chairs and several large bookcases and I say, Mr. Johnson, good to see you. Would you like a... Perhaps we can share a dram of old crone and, oh, old crone and, and talk about uh, Spinoza. Yeah. And uh, are you saying lock. this because it sounds a lot off a lot like old crow? I feel like I, I do. Feel like we're a, we're we're just that, that, biting off that's, some old crow. That's that's what I'm doing. Yeah, okay. Anyway, here's our ads. Here are the ads. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild minigames. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. 
The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. My favorite spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. Wow, how have I been living like this? It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless, when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Wow, how have I been affording this? It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. Say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash behind. That's mintmobile.com slash behind. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash behind. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. All right, we're back. So. Outside of what we just talked about, I, I think one of the things that's interesting about that last bit of uh, uh, what Peterson was saying is that, like, it's bad to make young men feel as if the domination of the society by, like, small groups of extremely hierarchical males is is bad because that, like, makes them demonized for being male. What he's also – when he says that, what he's saying is that, like, those tradi- those traditional like patriarchal values are necessary for young men and that demonizing that behavior causes a crisis of manhood so while i think most of the people who talk about the patriarchy are saying that like this is bad for men and women and we need to like end it for the good of everybody he is saying that like if you demonize this patriarchal domination of society you're inherently demonizing men because they cannot be separated from it. They are incapable of living any other way, which I actually find as a man is pretty offensive. Um, But it also, hearing that makes me think about another thing I read in that sex toy company study. Quote, about 91% of respondents interested in male partners said their ideal man is in touch with his and other emotion, others' emotions, is comfortable discussing mental health, 90%, and talking about sex, 88%, caring of social issues, 86%, and comfortable interacting with people of all sexual orientations, 83%. Compared to this ideal man, the same respondents said their current male partners are much less likely to have these traits, 12% less on average. The survey revealed men are already moving in this direction, with many benefits to being a man who feels more, including a better relationship with their partner. The emotional connection with partners is 20% better on average. More self and body confidence. 63% of men who feel more have high levels of self-confidence versus 54% of other men. This means they are 8% more likely to think they have a beautiful body. Overall, higher levels of happiness. 45% of men who feel more strongly agree that they are happy with their lives versus 29% of other men. A better sex life. The quality and frequency of their sex, masturbation, and orgasms are 20% better on average than other men. They are also 18% more sexually satisfied with their partners. Better overall health. 89% of men who feel more say they have good overall health versus 81% of other men. They are also 11% more likely to belong to a gym. So again, comprehensively, being like thoughtful and in touch with your emotions and like open-minded to people of other genders and orientations and like caring of your partner makes you a comprehensively happier person. More likely to have sex, not just more likely to have sex and master, but more likely to like go to the gym to take care of your own yeah, body, exactly. to self-report being want healthy. People to do right, like it, like they didn't say this in the study that you just uh, recited, but um, it, if I were to sort of distill it down, uh, being more in touch with your feelings and uh, open to emotion, sort of rejecting these ideas we're talking about, uh, will lead you to be more likely to clean your room. Yeah, and it's, I think it's more than that. I think a big part of it is that like. 
Embracing the attitudes that Peterson has, which is that like life is this struggle and you have to be the master of everyone and everything around you and that doing anything else is going to make you unfulfilled and miserable is what makes you unfulfilled and miserable and caring about other people and listening to them and being agreeable and and like loving is what makes you happy and also makes you more powerful, both in a physical sense and in an emotional sense. And anyway. also, I mean, he, and he's it's because he's even said things along those lines before, too. Yeah. Um, his whole deal uh, is sort of talking out both sides of his mouth uh, in different clips. Like you can find him talking about what you just said in other clips um, and how, you know, if you want to uh, like it's to talk about depression before and how uh, a, a good way to get out of that funk is to uh, focus on other people and helping other people. Um, and, but he's not gonna, he can't like reconcile a lot of these sort of disparate thoughts that he has. Nope. So that's pretty cool. Um, we're barely two minutes into the episode and Jordan Peterson's entire theory of the world has already been demolished by a company that makes vibrators, which I think is pretty funny. Um, let's see what we can learn next. Um, he brings up his friend, Marion Tupi, author of books with, and he just says like, I, my friend Marion Tupi, you know, and, and, and starts talking about this person's ideas. Marion Tupi is the author of books with titles like 10 Global Trends Every Smart Person Should Know and Super Abundance, The Story of population growth, innovation, and human flourishing on an infinitely bountiful planet. Um, kind of in the context of this guy, Peterson brings up Paul Ehrlich, who is Ehrlich is the guy who like made this bet about certain. He was a he was a Malthusian, right? He was a guy being like the world overpopulation is coming. A bunch there's going to be a resource crunch, and he made a bet about a bunch of resources running out that was wrong, right? That's the the gist of Paul Ehrlich. This happened in like the 80s, and the right wing has never shut up about it as a reason to doubt that climate change is real and that a bunch of other problems are real. Um, so Peterson contrasts Ehrlich and Malthusians like him, who are pessimistic, with optimists like his friend Marion Tupi. And he he describes Tupi as a perfectly objective thinker and analyst. Yeah. Sophie, can you play that clip? Marion Tupi and his co-author analyzed historical data looking at the relationship between population expansion and abundance, which is a positive relationship in that as there have been more people born, since there have been more smart and competent people born, which is a necessary consequence of that, we've got richer, not poorer. And the Malthusians say, yeah, well, you know, the other shoe will drop eventually. It's like, yeah, specify your time frame, buddy. You don't get to have an infinite expanse to prove your hypothesis correct. It's like, Okay, hold up there, Jordan. Since you have asked us to specify a time frame, perhaps we should look into how your friend Marion's predictions have held up from, let's say, 2015. Marion Tupi's been writing stuff for a while. Um, and, and that is, I would say, most people would agree that from 2015 to 2022, most things have gotten worse around the world, right? Um, food is more expensive. Gas is more expensive. There's a massive land war in, in Ukraine. The consequences of climate change have gotten more disastrous. Wildfires have gotten worse all around the world. We've had the biggest ones in the history of both the American West and Australia, uh, just to name a couple of places in the very recent past. So I, I think most people, even if you're not scared of like Trump and Bolsonaro and fucking uh, the, the rise of all of these authoritarians around the world, would agree things have broadly gotten worse for a lot of people since 2015. Um, it just so happens that Marion Tupi is not, as Peterson says, an objective analyst of data, but a right-wing crank. He, wor he works for the Cato Institute, um, and his big thing is arguing that infinite wealth can be extracted from the planet, uh, and everything will continue to get inevitably better if we just keep extracting. He's part of a whole team of think tank grifters, and in servicing this end, he's been a regular contributor at Quillette, a far-right website who also publishes defenses of phrenology and national review. It was at the latter that he published a June 2015 article titled Pope Francis's Unwarranted Gloom. And I'm going to quote from that now. 
The Pope, as the Independent sums up in the encyclical, asserts that the world's poorest are the biggest victims of a web of environmental, human, financial, and ethical degradation that puts the entire planet at risk. Risk. He lambasts rich countries for looting the world, warns that the world is facing widespread crop failure, economic ruin, and avers that warming caused by the enormous consumption of some rich countries has repercussions in the poorest places on Earth, especially in Africa, where the increase in temperature complying with drought has had disastrous effects on the performance of crops. Now, Everything the Pope says there is absolutely true. Um, and all of those facts have been proven absolutely true over the last seven years. Every single thing he said is undeniably, objectively, factually true. We are currently dealing with widespread crop failures this year and unprecedented surges in food prices. In 2015, Marion Tupi wrote, quote, and this is him talking about the Pope. His views on anthropogenic global warming will be hotly debated, but his gloom is unwarranted. Well, good news, Marion. The debate is over. 2018 brought Africa's hottest measured temperature on record, 124.3 degrees in Algeria. And in 2021, more than 400 weather stations around the world beat their all-timed heat records. There's a ton that Tupi is wrong about here. He makes a big point about how poverty has declined. And in 2015, those numbers worldwide were looking pretty good. It did look like poverty was declining very rapidly around the world. But people who actually honestly analyzed the data, including Pope Francis, were able to see just a little bit ahead and that a warming world with things like widespread crop failures and brutal pandemics um, was going to like lead to a decline in what gains capitalism had brought people over the last 20 years or so. Um, after COVID-19, the global poverty rate surged from 7.8 uh, to 9.1%, wiping out at least four years of progress towards ending extreme poverty. So, like, again, this guy who Peterson's claim is Tupi, all these Malthusians, these people who are talking about how the world's heading towards resource crunches are wrong because they never specify their time frame. So like what they're saying isn't falsifiable. But Tupi has presented falsifiable claims about the state of the world and they've all been falsified, right? Like his friend has been wrong. And because he's been writing for seven years, we can see the things he's been wrong about. He's talking about how like Pope Francis, it's debatable as to whether or not Francis is right about, you know, Africa warming and this having a disastrous impact on the poor. Well, we're now in 2022 and it's not debatable anymore. Yeah, Mary, Marion was fucking wrong. Um, anyway, Peterson next pivots back to crowing about Paul Ehrlich. And Tupi has extended that work to a basket of 50 commodities and has demonstrated now that each child born produces seven times as much wealth as they consume. So enough with uh, there are too many people on the planet and you know, human beings are a destructive force and all male will is nothing but a cancer on the planet and part of the oppressive patriarchy. It's like, that's all. There isn't a shred of evidence for any of that, except... So, oh, yeah. He loves talking like that. He uh, does. He, uh, <sighs> all he is doing here... It's worth noting. So Marion Tupi is a, a media person. He has a bunch of videos, particularly on YouTube. He goes on podcasts all the time. And all he's saying is like a longer version of what Peterson's saying, right? That the more people who are born and the more people who, like the more that we extract and, and from the earth, the wealthier everyone will get, that this is a, like a fact of reality that cannot be questioned. Um, and again, it's like you're living through him being wrong. We're experiencing it yeah. every, every day of our lives in 2022. I mean, aside from like the general misrepresentation of a lot of the points being made by other people, um, it is just interesting seeing him get so angry about, yeah, things that like, will we it, like, because he filmed this in 2022, I assume. Yes, yes. At, at which point it is very obvious that the stuff that Marion Tupi was writing in 2015 was completely wrong. Yeah, and like I don't I'm I'm not personally in the camp of like overpopulation is like a problem. The problem is um, not overpopulation, it's overconsumption by wealthy right countries. and allocation yes. of resources and things yes. like that. Um so I'm not like ah oh, don't have babies, degrowth like that kind of thing, but like uh this other th stuff that he's saying is also wrong. <laughs> Yes, oh. it, it, it's one of those things. He's, he's making kind of the same arguments that I think Matthew Iglesias is the guy who's like, we need to have a billion Americans. Yeah. It's like, no, we, we don't, actually. Like, I don't believe overpopulation is the problem, but we certainly don't need to expand the population of wealthy countries or the population in general. Like, there's plenty of people. Um, yeah, it's 
it's fine. It's fine. Um, even like eight, eight billion's need... a good number. <laughs> yeah. Even yeah. like the uh, the um, we don't need to talk a whole lot about birth rates and stuff. But no, I, I'm every time it comes up, I'm always just like, okay, but like. Is it going to go down to zero? Yeah. And then there'd be no people. Is that what you think is going to happen? Like, no, it's uh, just people are number one. There's like less need to have multiple children. And it's broadly good when the birth rate does slow down, Um, especially since it leads like there's been a bunch of benefits to the fact that people no longer are having in the West, like 12 child families, including the fact that like kids get more attention from their parents Mm -hmm. and are seen less as like a disposable commodity, which they often were early in history. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's cool. I, I think the thing that the thing that Tupi is saying that like I find offensive is that this is a line of our, and there's a lot of guys whose whole job is making this argument that everything is getting better and that everyone who has complaints about the world and who sees things as like on a really dark course is just irrational and not looking at the actual facts. And what these arguments are geared towards is convincing a centrist middle class that the everything will get back to whatever they used to consider normal. The world mm-hmm. will recover entirely from COVID. Climate change will get fixed by some unyet, as of yet unseen scientific innovation and neoliberal capital will continue to increase the value extracted from the earth every year forever. It is the do, you don't have to worry or change anything argument, right? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's that's I mean, his, his whole thing is don't do anything. Yeah, and it'll work itself out. And, um, and Peterson likes this argument. And a lot of the people who ex- to push this argument are actually like more on the liberal side of things. But Jordan Peterson likes to use this argument because he he has this kind of Panglossian belief that everything is the best that it could be and is getting better. Like, sorry, Peterson uses this argument, this like Panglossian belief that everything is the best it could be and getting better to argue that masculine capitalist wealth seeking is altruism, right? That's why he finds this useful. And I want to play another clip here. So not only are we not governed by the satanic expression of power dooming us to a kind of authoritarian hell, what we're properly governed by is something like the spirit of voluntary play. And so that's all good. That's all necessary to know for young men because they're taught so often that their ambition is somehow intrinsically corrupt. And the best thing they can do is just, you know, slough off into a corner and maybe die without making too much noise. Yeah, I had a friend who committed suicide really because he believed that. It took him like 20 years to die. It was pretty painful to watch. But he definitely believed all that. Yeah. What? Yeah. The real joy of watching Peterson is that he'll just sort of veer off and like say shit like this. And of course, we don't know anything. Like he says this happens over 20 years. So is he talking about like a guy with a substance abuse disorder? Or right. Like, That's what just I'm did, yeah. thinking he's talking about. Yeah. Because he's not like. Yeah, 20, like, it sounds like, yeah, 20 years of, like, depression, right? Yeah, yeah, and he was depressed because there are massive unsolved problems that the rich are, like, burning money in order to make it basically either illegal or impossible for people to solve, and Peterson's job is to reinforce those people and try to convince folks for another year or two that they don't need to take any action to stop the oil and gas companies and other wealthy interests from pilfering the world as it falls apart around us and they retreat to their fucking bunkers. Like that's literally his entire job. Everything is fine. Ignore the warning signs for another year. That's why he exists. That's why they fund. That's why oil and gas billionaires funded the startups. Who fund the the daily wire Wire funding this guy. That's why they're throwing so much money at him to do this. Yeah. Uh, And he does it by like some, very unclear anecdote. <laughs> and it, it's interesting because the, the the people arguing everything is getting better, that's an argument that works for like the Obama style neoliberals because it's like, look, this the system, we just need to tweak it around the edges. This is fundamentally good and what we're doing is good. Um, and Peterson is taking and saying like, because everything is getting better and because we live in a society dominated by capitalist hierarchical men, being that kind of person is an out is altruism. Like being mm-hmm. a billionaire who, for example, buys a company, fires 75% of the people there, loads it with debt and then crashes it is good 
because you're, you know, th that that kind of behavior makes the world better. Obviously, men like that have been in charge since forever. So since they've Therefore, been in charge exactly. and the world's gotten better, they're altruists. It's the same uh, sort of line of thinking he and like a lot of like uh, like evolutionary biologists. Yeah, sort, it's like or evolutionary uh, psychology mm -hmm. uh, sort of thing where it's like, well, because we're here today and alive, every single uh, step of evolution uh, was good, like yeah. with a capital G. Okay, that's uh, why and we, should, and we should preserve it, right? Whereas, fucking, like, well, it worked. It worked then, like millions of years ago. Therefore, we need to preserve and, it. And this is again, this is always the idea. This is always the actual ideology of the people who are in power. This is why Voltaire in fucking Candide. I brought up Pangloss. Like he is mocking this idea that like the the Pangloss is this like philosopher guy who's saying like this is the best of all possible worlds and everything that happens in it is like the best that can possibly be, which is if you're in charge always the way in which you want mm -hmm. people to feel like that's all jordan peterson is is fucking pangloss with yeah, a you're on top of the pyramid you're problem. like it's business pyramid rule yeah. yeah anyway we should probably roll the ads mm. love it the evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild minigames. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Oh, God. Whew. What a great time. Um, I, for one, love that Voltaire in 1759 writes Jordan Peterson into a novel. And he's, it's the same guy. It's the same, <laughs> same guy. guy. Um, that's very funny. Same guy, same outfit. Uh, same outfit, yeah. So, anyway, here's Jordan Peterson being wrong again. Awesome. Companies, it is, well, men who quell themselves to that degree also suffer the shadow problem, which is all the unlived life, ambition, aggression within them, sexual desire, that just goes underground. And then, well, that's, that's what accounts in part for these explosive violent crimes certainly accounts for a lot of gang crime because gang crime that's been established beyond a shadow of a doubt is all status jockeying now <laughs> <What>? <laughs> so for one thing he's saying that like because men are being told to like deny their natural kind of like aggressive status seeking natures um, that's what's leading to these explosions of violence, which is interesting because the United States is, even with the recent surge we saw after COVID-19, less violent than it has been at basically any point in the lifetimes of anybody alive right now. Like, when I was born in the late 1980s, the United States was vastly more violent than it is today, um, almost in every single part of the country. Uh, so why? Why would that be, Jordan? Why, why would that be if we've also gotten more woke over time? Mm. Um, I don't know. Maybe just, just whatever. Um, 
All of these things that he takes as evidence of a sick culture, lower birth rates, increased understanding and rejection of patriarchy, more open-minded and emotionally connected men, these things have all occurred as violence has declined in the United States. And this is true even accounting for the increases in violence that some places experienced after COVID-19. And I'm going to quote from a New York Times article this August. Crime, murder, and mass shootings have dominated headlines this year. Just over the weekend, a shooting in Cincinnati wounded nine people, and another in Detroit killed one and wounded four. But the full crime data tells a different story. Nationwide, shootings are down 4% this year compared to the same time last year. In big cities, murders are down 3%. If the decrease in murders continues for the rest of 2022, this will be the first year since 2018 in which they fell in the United States. Huh. Again, this is also like there's a lot to blame the media on because if you graph how common shootings are in this country versus how commonly they're covered in the United States, coverage of shootings has soared massively while shootings have more or less stayed stable in most of the country and slightly declined in a lot of places. Um, And this is because like if it bleeds, it leads, right? This has led people to believe errantly that the United States is much more violent than it actually is right now as where again – this is like a massive continuing problem, right? That as over the last 30 years, violence has declined. People have believed that cities have gotten more like Mm -hmm. there's like you talk to a conservative in fucking Ohio about New York city and they'll be like, well, yeah, it's really dangerous. Like it's, it's this crime drenched hellhole. No, New York city is safer, safer than virtually a hundred percent of rural America. Exactly. Um, Um, yeah. Sounds like Peterson's a victim of the woke media. Yes, it does sound like he's a victim of the woke media. Um, In the early 1990s, the U.S. averaged around 10 murders per 100,000 people. In the Obama years, that dropped to a little more than four. And even though things have ticked up after COVID, they still topped out at around seven per 100,000. And that is now declining again. Um, That's a significant drop. Yeah, again. To four, we, that's we were 4%, just like that's why yeah. we were just talking about like Pangloss and stuff, but like the the change in the commonness of violence and murder in the United States since the early nineties is stunning. Like it is a massive decline. Yeah, it's interesting that like the one thing like he could be he could be right about that yeah. one thing, but he chooses to be wrong about that one thing and everything else. Yeah, because if if it's true that violent that we are much less violent than we used to be, even given like how much attention shootings get in the media today, then the argument is that maybe like, oh, perhaps like all of these things that have changed about like encouraging men to talk about their feelings and accept other people and accept different sexual orientations and a wider understanding of gender. Maybe all of that actually like helped. I mean, maybe it's just getting the lead out of gasoline, mm-hmm. but maybe that other stuff maybe, like yeah, sure I mean, didn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. Did not hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but he would uh, probably reject that too, because he doesn't want to change anything about like environmental uh like well, no, you can't do that. That affect you, um, yeah. Because environment means everything. Yeah. Um, that's a uh, he's such a little wiener. <laughs> yeah. So from here, Peterson claims that women are inherently interested in men based on the amount of resources that they have or are likely to generate. Mm. You know, women often get a bad rap, especially from people in the manosphere, so-called. <laughs> for being hypergamous, which means mating across and socioeconomic hierarchies, because women have a preference for men, young women, who are about four years older than them, who are as well off or better off than they are. And it's a female calibration mechanism uh, for, to, to remediate the inequality placed on women in relationship to pregnancy and infant care. So woman takes a vicious hit in terms of productivity when she becomes pregnant and has a infant. How you doing there? How you doing there, Sophie? Immediately, immediately updating my dating profile. I'm sorry, are you exactly four years older than me? Um, <laughs> I do wonder if my the fact that women broke. prefer men four years older than them has anything to do with that, like, the older you get, the less likely you are to take Jordan Peterson seriously. Mm. Oh my the God. more likely you are to be uh, more in touch with your feelings. Maybe you've, like, matured a little bit and mm-hmm. uh, are... Um, better partner uh, yeah but. Uh. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh i don't know like 
that's that's but like what's his point i, I don't know i don't it, it, it's it's such a <laughs> transactional way of looking at relationships women prefer older men because they earn more and have more money and women know that they're going to take a, a financial hit by having a child because it reduces their productivity and that's a no people don't think like that jordan like Nobody, people do not go out into the world and decide to have like a child and go, well, then I need to get a man who has an additional four years of earning so that his savings can like make up for the loss in productivity that I'm going that to suffer I'm for having this child. And I mean, I, some people yeah, might. I'm sure like, that there's, it's not a zero number, but like, I know a lot of people who have had kids and none of them thought that much about it. Mostly they just get pregnant and decide, I guess I'm going to have a kid because it feels like a good time to do it. Yeah. Figure it out. Yeah. No, no, no. No, there, no, no. Uh, no, yeah. no, no. Not us ladies. Four years older than us. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Where are you? Okay. <laughs> I, I I must dot the T at okay. Great. Mm-hmm. We'll not st- we'll not go on a date unless you've met all these qualifications because I might need to take your money so I may have a child. Yeah. That that, that all it makes perfect sense. What are you talking classic about? girl stuff. Yeah, that's totally how I think about things. God. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I mean, it's it's a really toxic. You get this because he he's kind of laying it out as if like this is just like completely reasonable and un, uncontroversial, but the actual like argument he's making is that women are incapable of love. Well, Which that's is like, just that, a that, fact, that's, Robert. That's, that is like the insult <laughs> thing of like, well, women women are hypergamous because it's a resource thing. And that's the thing that they're thinking about is like maximizing their resources. And Right. And yeah. as opposed to like the actual like, yeah, that like the connection that one hopes to have with another yeah. person. Again, um, the reason why most people have kids is that they really want to fuck another person and then they get pregnant and decide, I guess I'm having a kid now. Look, that's not going to describe 100% of cases, but most of the people I know were like, well, yeah, I was with this guy or this lady and we had sex and then, you know, there was a pregnancy and we decided, I guess now's the time. Yeah, and he's... I think historically, that's most pregnancies. Sort of apply, like, a person's value. And this is, like, it's so weirdly harmful (laughs) because he's sort of excusing this behavior and saying, like, this is how it is and this is how it should be. Yeah. Therefore, you need to do this and this and this to get this high on his little hierarchy uh and like it just puts so much value on uh like like just money like that's the value that he's uh trying to focus on as opposed to all the other uh values that people look for when looking for a partner i don't know it's weird yeah. unpleasant way to look at things. Yeah, I find it unpleasant. But you know what I do find pleasant, Cody? The next thing you're going to say. I find your pluggables <gasps> deeply pleasant, Cody. Thank you so I much. I love it when you plug things. Nothing I love nothing Cody. To plug can I things. can I say nothing gets me harder? You can say it. Thank you. Do it again. Say it again. I did. I have. I will All continue right. to. Yeah, you will. Oh, I'm going to plug so hard. Um, Whatever, anything, any hole. All right, enough of that. Hi, I'm Cody, and I have uh, things on the internet. You can Google me. Cody Johnston is the name. Um, Got a show on YouTube called Some More News and a podcast called Even More News. And Patreon.com slash Some More News is where you can support us for those things. Wow. And furthermore, that's it. Love that. Wow. Brave, courageous. Check out my band, The Hot Shapes. Un- They're awesome. Wait, you have a band? Uh, yeah, we don't have technically have songs available yet, but we will probably by the time this airs. Actually, cool. It's called The Hot Shapes. Now, Cody, tell What's me up? this. Yeah. When you say a band, uh-huh. what kind of music do you play? Is it ska? Uh, it's not ska, unfortunately. I'm and so yet sorry. you think it's music. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. You know. mm-hmm. Subjective. Subjectively music. You know. I I don't know that I agree with that. The first but, uh, non-ska band. The, sorry wow! To say. Someone finally did it. They finally, created music that wasn't ska. <laughs> we did it. Somebody the bastards did it. Somebody ring ring the bell and tell yeah. the mighty mighty boss tones that their great mm-hmm. burden has been lifted. 
You are free, Boston. <laughs> You're free. You're Go free. make another album about George Floyd. Oof. Wait, oh God! Is that what? Wait. Oh, what? did you not hear that? Oh, oh, Cody! It was oh. one of the worst things anyone's ever done. <laughs> yeah. I, um, you need to listen to that in the break between when we record episodes and when we come back to part two. We will start by you talking about your reaction to that mighty mighty Boston song. Oh, God. oh yeah. yeah. Oh, Cody! It's unbelievable. Anyway. That's been part one. We'll see you again on Thursday. Go with Christ. Behind the Bastards is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com. Or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.